Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Preck. And today we have Jeff Cook as our esteemed guest today. He's going to be sharing about his background, his journey in real estate, and how he's become one of the top 30 operators in mobile home parks. So Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on this episode today and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So Jeff, can you share a little bit more about you know your background and how you got started in real estate? Sure. So I started, uh, next year will be our 25th anniversary. So I started in real estate back in 1997. I started off with um, apartments uh, here in the city of Rochester, singles, doubles, triples, some you know larger 10, 12 unit buildings, uh, got up to about 100 units. And uh, then I uh, ended up selling those uh, right before the crash of uh, 08, which was uh, very good, very good, of course. And uh, then I started moving into some more commercial real estate, some retail, some office, and then and mobile, mobile home parks. I bought my first mobile home park in uh, 2000, 2008 or 2009. And uh, that's been our, our focus here over the past uh, 15 years or so. Wow. So I'd love to ask because you said that you sold your 100 units before the crash of 2008. Was there something in the that you had seen the writings on the walls or something like that that had led you to make that decision? Or what, what was the ultimate reason as to why uh, you had made that move? I wish. I wish I was that <laughs> smart and that I could time the market that well. But no, it's just um, I was ready to sell and I found a good buyer uh, who was ready to buy. And uh, it worked out to be a good transaction. But unfortunately, as, as you probably know already, timing real estate like stocks is very difficult. You know, you kind of, you just got to stay in it for the, long, for the long-term, long haul. So then for you, as you've been, as you transition from, you know, the single families into a little bit more of the commercial real estate space, and then ultimately landing on mobile home parks, what was about, it, what was about the mobile home parks that really attracted you to it? And how did you get started with, you know, purchasing your first mobile home park? Yeah. So after I sold my apartments, I really wanted to get into the more of the commercial space because I thought it would be easier. I bought an off my the first commercial property I bought was an office building and it needed a bunch of capex. So I, I, I did all the capex repairs. And right then is when the great when the crash happened. So no one should I had a, almost a brand new office building and no one showed up to rent my space. So I had to keep lower, lowering the rent, lowering the rent. And eventually I was able to get it leased up, but at a, a significantly uh, lower rent than what I had expected. So that was my first taste of commercial real estate. And right around the same time, I bought a mobile home park and I, I didn't have any of the same problems there. You know, the, the residents were, they own, all of them own their own homes. They were primarily double wides, primarily seniors. And they were just, it was a great, great group of residents. They paid their rent on time. 
They had very few complaints about things. And it, I really liked it because we just owned the dirt. Um, we just owned what was in the ground and the residents owned everything that was above the ground. So it was, it was a much different perspective and a much different operations than it was for the apartments. So I, I, fell, I fell in love. I, I was hooked. And we just started, I just started buying more and more parks, you know, throughout the, the ensuing years. Again, it was just a great model. It was very stable cash flow. And uh, we, we just really, really enjoyed it. And like I said, we just kept buying more and more. So then how was your background, did your background in single family home space and then also going into the commercial real estate space, did that background there help you, you know, with your understanding with the mobile home parks? Absolutely. So with the apartments, I was doing everything along with my father. We were doing all the maintenance, all the books, all the showings, uh, pretty much the only things that we were not doing were paving and roofing. Um, so it was really helpful to get that construction background and to have a good idea of, of just like what, what different activities cost and what different repairs, what was involved with, with different repairs. It was very helpful to have that um, ground up experience. And so when you started to get into the mobile home parks, you know, how did you even start to evaluate what was a good mobile home park? And then, you know, which markets were you typically looking for as you were getting started? Yeah. So we, um, so we evaluated them very similar, similarly to how we, you know, evaluate an apartment building or an apartment complex, you know, rents, rents minus expenses, you know, equals your NOI and add your debt service in. And then, you know, whatever's left over is your, is your cash flow. Very similar you know, similar type of expenses. Some things were a little more, some things were a little less. But again, it's very similar model as uh, looking at an apartment, an apartment building. As far as markets, you know, I stuck to what I knew, which was close to home. Um, so the first park that we bought was about two hours from Rochester. And then the next two I bought were a little bit closer, about 45 minutes from Rochester. So we were just looking for parks that cash flowed nicely. And again, we're close enough to our, my home where I could get to them on a regular basis. So that was really the only criteria that we were looking at. So too sophisticated. So then like what you mentioned earlier was there, the residents are essentially leasing the land from you. They own everything above the land. So then from in terms of like the operating expenses standpoint and creating value with the mobile home parks, what are some of the things that have helped create value within mobile home parks in terms of, you know, if you're comparing it to like a multifamily apartment where you're decreasing your operating expenses and increasing your rents? Sure. So um, when we buy a park, we always try to obviously operate it as efficiently as we can. Um, you know, we do get some management efficiencies, used sometimes on uh, lowering payroll, uh, lowering repairs and maintenance, um, things like that. But our big value add always comes from filling vacancies. So we, we always look for parks that have some type of a vacancy uh, element to it. And when we do find those parks, we can add homes to those vacant pads. And that really allows us to drive our net operating income to as high as we can get it. Do you typically look at a specific or particular, I guess, break-even occupancy before you purchase a, a park? We won't go as low as a break-even. Um, we generally like to be around you know, 70 to 75% occupancy, if not higher. Got it. And so in terms of like looking at a particular area for mobile home parks, what are you looking for as you're investing in one of these areas in terms of like location-wise? Sure. So we're, we're much more picky than we used to be, that's for sure. Right now, we're only invested in New York State. We are looking outside of New York State. We want to get into the Midwest and and up and down the East Coast. But we're primarily looking for markets that are at a minimum of 75,000 people in the metro area. Uh, we want to be close to the close to the main inter interstates, 
We don't want to be too rural. We really like uh, parks that are on public utilities, uh, public water, and public sewer. Um, however, we won't shy away from private utilities. It's just that we prefer we prefer public utilities. But really, the big thing is that we want to be close to the population centers. And typically with mobile home parks, are there a lot of competitors around the surrounding areas um, as you're evaluating and looking to uh, maximize your occupancy levels? Do you mean like other other park buyers or just yes. other mobile home parks? Other mobile home parks um, in the area, in the vicinity within the current one that you own. So for us right now, you know, in New York State, we don't have any problems filling our parks. Demand is very high. Many of the parks we have waiting lists for. It's really, you know, we provide, in our opinion, the best product. We bring all brand new homes in and we price them very competitively. We we really don't try to make a lot of money on the sale of a mobile home. Um, We're really more interested in getting a good resident um, to come in and buy the home, uh, make it their house and and pay the lot rent. We find that our best advertising is the other residents. When they see us bringing in new homes, they, they generally talk to their friends and family and say, hey, look at what uh, look at what Cook Properties is doing to our park. And then that really brings in more and more better residents. So in terms of creating the community within the mobile home parks, do you guys typically, like within mobile home parks, I'm curious, do they have anything equivalent to like an HOA or anything like that? Some mobile home parks do set up their own HOAs, but in general, no, they, they don't. Okay. So it's really up to the tenant to maintain their property and the surrounding areas that they're... Correct. Yeah. So we're, you know, as the landlords, we're responsible for the common areas, the common roads, the underground utilities. It's in our rules that residents have to keep their lots in good repair and clean and and tidy. And if they don't do so, um, and then we'll issue violation notices uh, to the residents. Got it. All right. And so then for the mobile home parks, have you been building up, you know, into what you scaled to today? You know, what has been the biggest challenge as you've been growing um, your mobile home parks business? Finding good deals. That's always been a challenge. Um, There's plenty of equity out there, as we know, but finding good deals is always a challenge. Fortunately, we've been doing this for, you know, 25 years. So we have a lot of good relationships with brokers, which helps to bring us deals. We also do our our share of cold calling to potential, uh, potential sellers. And a lot of it too, we get deals from other park owners that we just know that we've had relationships with, you know, over the past 20 years, 15 years. So that's really been our best, or that's been our biggest challenge is finding good deals. We work it every day. And then as far as uh, just scaling, it's been, you know, it's it's tough to find uh, really good people and good employees. Um, that certainly has been a challenge. Um, I think we're doing a good job. We just hired we just hired some new senior staff, which I think are going to work out very well. But that certainly has been a challenge is uh, finding good staff, loyal staff, hardworking staff, and also letting go of uh, some of the responsibilities that we've all we've done ourselves in the past. So, And then as you got into mobile home parks, was there anything that was like that struck you as very surprising or that you weren't expecting as you were getting into this business? I guess one of the things I didn't expect is... Uh, that's been a very good surprise is other park owners. It's a very uh, collegial industry. Everyone out there is very quick to help if someone has a problem or a question. Even though we all competing here to the same parks, I might win some this week and, and someone else might get some the next week. We're always here to help each other. Got it. And so how have you been able to build up your, like, your relationships, not only within your park, but with other park members or um, other, I guess, competitor park, uh, mobile home park owners? 
Yeah, um, probably the biggest is uh, social media. Um, you know, I love LinkedIn. I'm on there quite a bit. You know, just, you know, li- reading other people's posts, liking their posts, uh, you know, forwarding some of them on to our network is always a good way to, um, to interact. You know, the past couple of years has been tough. You know, the conferences have, have more or less been canceled. There's actually a really good one this week. Um, I believe it's in Chicago. We unfortunately are not going to not going to be able to go, but we're hoping to get out to some more conferences in um, in 22. And we're really looking forward looking forward to that. So I would say social media is, is probably has been the biggest one in over the past couple of years. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post production ourselves. Now we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And then also, I'd love to ask you too, you know, because you've been in the industry for quite some time and within real estate, you've seen a lot of ups and downs and market corrections. And then within mobile home parks specifically, you know, how has the trend, I guess, shifted from pre-COVID to where it is today, if there was any shift? I think if anything, the mobile home park industry has gotten more attractive through through the Great Recession and through COVID. You know, mobile home parks have been the number one performing asset class uh, since 2010. And so now we like to say not only are they recession proof, but they're also pandemic proof. All since I've been in the mobile home park business, you know, collections have always been great. Um, even during COVID, our collections actually increased by a couple of points. We were finding our during when residents received their stimulus checks, they were paying their rent in advance. So we had a, quite a few months where lot rent, our uh, collections exceeded 100%, which is pretty cool. So that was a, a you know a very uh, positive aspect. And I think it's just, you know, mobile home parks, again, have become more valuable, not only for as an investment vehicle, but for residents themselves, just because they can get their own little piece of the American dream, they can get their own home on their own lot with their own driveway, they can drive right up to their house. Uh, they don't have to walk across, you know, several, several blocks or, you know, a parking lot to get to their home. So I think it's become more valuable for, for in the affordable housing sector, um, but also to investors for, for those same reasons that it's valuable to the residents. Got it. And how about for like the residents themselves, as they look to like, how has turnover been? If, you know, as they're looking to move, do they take their mobile home parks or do they sell it to the next owner? How does that typically look like in the space? So it's usually the latter. So 98% of mobile homes, new mobile homes that are sited in a mobile home park do not move. So that's the asset that's generating the lot rent. So many times the resident themselves will move, but the home stays there. So as far as lot rent, we usually don't skip a beat because a new resident will just move in and, and start paying rent. Got it. So then like, what are some of the other areas that you've been able to create value in the mobile home parks? So in addition to filling, to doing what we call infill or filling vacant pads, um, a lot of times we'll come into a park that we purchased and we will have a lot of, uh, a lot of older homes. So what we like to do is we like to demo those homes because they're not, they're past their, they haven't been taken care of and they're just, they're past their, uh, 
they really can't be rehabbed anymore. So we'll tear those down and uh, bring in new homes. Um, so that's another way that we add value in addition to filling vacant pads, but by taking down the old ones and bringing in new. What's the typical lifespan of a, of a mobile home? Theoretically, they should last forever because they're built with the same things that uh, stick built homes are built with, um, you know, metal, wood, you know, plastic. It's really all about how they're taken care of. If you have someone who has a mobile home and it, it's being, it's been taken care of, um, it should last again, you know, for, it could last for a hundred years again, as long as it's taken care of. Got it. So then when you guys tear it down, do you tear it down like completely or then do you just do like the renovate, like a renovation, like a refresh within inside? So we'll do both. We will do refreshes um, and, and renov- not so much renovations, but definitely refreshes. We'll put new roofs on. We'll do uh, new carpet, new paint, new kitchens, new bathrooms. Where we usually end up demoing a home is if, if it hasn't been taken care of and the uh, water has been infiltrating the roof. So that's usually a, a telltale sign for us to demo it. Um, sometimes you'll get into some situations where if there's mold inside, we don't want to deal with that. It's, it's generally just too expensive. And we'll, we'll, we'd rather just demo the home and bring a new one in. So prior to, I guess, purchasing a mobile home park, do you already account for some type of percentage um, that you would have to demolition um, a few, a couple of number of um, different mobile home parks? Or how does that typically work? Yeah, not really. I mean, it's, it's all park specific. Um, you know, if we do our site visits and we just see a lot of, uh, a lot of older homes that are in disrepair, um, we'll just factor that into our underwriting for that particular park, but we don't have a set percentage on, uh, like on a park to park basis. Got it. So for you and your company for mobile homes, you know, you've built out quite a, you know, quite a number of mobile home parks that you've been able to acquire. Um, what is next for you and your company and what are you looking to focus on next? Yeah, so we have a big acquisition we're working on right now. It's for uh, 2,300 pads uh, across 55 parks in, in upstate New York. Uh, we're working on a big raise for that um, right now. Uh, it's a $55 million raise for $121 million purchase. We're about just over halfway, about 60% done with the raise. We got another uh, $25 million to, to raise here in the next um, 30 to 45 days. So that's been a large focus for us right now. Once we complete that acquisition, we'll be the largest. A park owner in New York State, um, which is pretty cool. We're happy, certainly happy about that. And uh, we're looking to expand outside of New York State. In three years, we, we want to be up to 20,000 pads. And we're, we're going to do that by continuing to uh, buy in New York State, but also uh, look, we're looking to uh, expand into the Midwest and down the East Coast. So how has real estate investing impacted your life, Jeff? Uh, I love real estate investing. I love mobile home parks. You know, I was I was working at a market research job uh, after grad school um, for about three years, and um, it was a great company. Um, but for me, I was uh, I was miserable. I, I didn't like working for someone else. I like working for myself. So that's been a great uh, you know a great attribute of, of working in in the real estate industry. And like I said before, it's such a collegial group. Um, everyone's really helpful and, and um, you know, want, everyone wants to share their experiences. And, and um, that's why I'm on your podcast today. I love to, to share our experiences. And if we can be helpful to other, uh, other individuals, you know, that I feel really uh, happy to do that. So is there one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? One thing I, that I know now, due diligence. After I sold my apartments, when I bought that first office building, I was really expecting to get much higher rents than I did. And I think I would have, uh, if I had done proper due diligence, um, I would have known that 
the what I was projecting as far as rents was higher than higher than what I was going to get. And and that turned out to be true. So yeah, definitely you got to do your due diligence for sure. No one's going to do it for you. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? Um, well, due diligence is a very important. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, for us, it's, it's grinding it out. You know, real estate is not a, a get rich uh, scheme. Um, it's something that takes, you know, many, many years to, to be successful in. So if, if you're looking for overnight success, uh, real estate is definitely not the business that you should be in. It's uh, grinding it out, being persistent, being honest. And yeah, persistence is really good. I guess also I'd like to follow up with that. Like for you, what do you see in real estate that has allowed you to keep persistent in this long-term, in this long-term game? I've always seen it as a long-term builder of wealth. What we, me and my brother, Brian, have been able to develop over the past, you know, 25 years and specifically the last 15 is amazing. Um, It's, it's far beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I, I was really just looking to get out of the, traditional W2 um, job. And we've done that, but it's gone, it's gone way past what, um, you know, what we expected. I guess when you first started out, you know, you said that you didn't expect this. So what was that turning point for you that you realized that this could be a lot bigger than what you were initially starting out to achieve? I would say, you know, when me and Brian started uh, working with investors and with partners, that's when it really took off for us. And prior to about seven, eight years ago, we didn't work with any partners. It was just me, my brother, um, and my parents who, who were uh, funding our real estate acquisitions. Um, once we started bringing on partners, that's when things really exploded. And it was di- that was difficult for us because, again, you know, we, we wanted to do everything on our own. But opening up ourselves to partnerships was really the best thing. I wish we, we would have done it sooner. So what was the turning factor for you guys to be able to open up your mindset and shift to being <laughs> open? <laughs> It was uh, it was by accident. So we actually we had four deals that went under contract, and we did not expect them all to go under contract. We didn't have enough funds to complete the uh, for the down payments for all four properties. So when we talked to some of our friends and family, they were on board, and and that's kind of how it kind of all started. And then we just it just kept expanding from there. So got it. And yeah. so were, had they previously were they already aware of what you were doing in the past um they were, or was yeah. this kind of like the first time that they've heard of, you know, you're investing in real estate? No, they were definitely aware of it. It's just they never um we never approached them to invest in our deals. Um you know, they knew we we were successful, um so they were happy to happy to come on board. Got it. So Jeff, for you, what's the thing that you most love about real estate and mobile home parks? Well, one of the things I disliked most about my W-2 job is that I really felt like no matter how hard I worked, my success was limited. With real estate, whether it's mobile home parks or any type of real estate, or you know, I, I really feel that you know there's a direct correlation between how hard I work and how successful we are. So that's probably the biggest thing I like. Got it. Awesome. Well, Jeff, you know, as you've been building up your real estate career investing as well and building up your knowledge base, what has been like the biggest resource that you have utilized to build up your education as you're getting, you know, more experience in the in the industry? Yeah, I would say probably the couple biggest things that have been helpful, um, especially when I first started, was uh, Frank and Dave, who are kind of the the fathers of the of the mobile home park industry. At least getting it out there into the mainstream more. They still have a newsletter. They have a boot camp that I've never attended the boot camp, but I've been a religious uh, reader of the newsletter, uh, their monthly newsletter for 
geez, ever since it came out, I would say at least the past, you know, five, maybe 10 years. And then also podcasts. There's so many podcasts out there about every topic that you could possibly want to listen to. Um, I found those to be very, very helpful also. Got it. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all about your experiences. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. So Jeff, if our listeners wanted to find out a little bit more about you and what you're doing in this space, where's the best place that we can go? Yeah, so they can reach me on my, uh, they can send me an email at uh, jeffcook at cookpropertiesny.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks. Have a good day. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.